What's going on, everybody? Birds of Broad Street back. We got James, the Fresh Prince of Philly, uh, and I'm Tyler from Eagles Fans, and we're here 17 days away from the NFL draft. A lot to talk about. Me and James both have our latest mock drafts we're going to break down. Uh, this only mock draft. The draft. So that's all we really got to talk about today. So it'll be a, it'll be a fun one. Uh, who, who's, who's are we breaking down first? Which mock are we doing first? Uh, let's save yours for last since you got a new updated one. Yeah, I just did it like 30 seconds ago. So yeah, my, my, the one and only mock draft that I have. I yeah, should do, my third one. They're fun to play around with. I should probably do more in the future. Yeah, I, I definitely will. But when I explain mine, it's going to be more from an Eagles standpoint because I don't watch college football as much as I watch the NFL. Yeah. So if I. I pull mine up first. I was battling back and forth between J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan. And you took J.C. Horn in your first mock draft, even though I think it's more realistic that the Eagles will get J.C. Horn over Patrick Sertan because um, I think the Cowboys are probably going to steal him away from us, which would be detrimental to my mental health. But that's a, that's another uh, subject. But, yeah, I have the Eagles who th- taking the better player, in my opinion, and the one with the higher ceiling. Even though I view J.C. Horn as more as a dog and more as like yeah. a Philly fit, I think that Patrick Sertan can have you know that higher ceiling. Like he's somebody like Byron Jones that just has all these athletic ability and he's yeah. got NFL pedigree because his dad used to play. Um, does dad play on the Redskins, right, or the Dolphins? Uh, yeah, uh, Sertan or Byron Jones? No, uh, Patrick Sertan's dad didn't he play on the Dolphins or like the he played on the Dolphins and the Chiefs. Okay, Chiefs, that's what the other Red Jersey. He might have been on the Redskins, too. I don't know. I just remember from the Chiefs and the Dolphins. That's when he was the best. Yeah, okay. And then second, I have the Eagles going at wide receiver. Um, I know I misspelled Terrence Marshall, but – You I've, got no trades in the mock, right? This is a no trade. Yeah, no, no, no. I didn't, I didn't have enough brain power to do trades. I got, a, I got a trade in mind, so I just – I did one trade. Yeah, maybe on the weekend of, you know, fine time to have right now. Um, yeah, Terrence Marshall is kind of – this was a no-brainer for me because the Eagles are already linked to him several times that they've been talking to him. And yeah. I just think that LSU wide receivers usually produce well in the NFL. Uh, we just saw it with Justin Jefferson, and it looks like Jamar Chase is going to be an absolute monster. So yeah. I think he would be a steal in the second round, especially with a guy like Nick Sirianni that can develop wide receivers um, fairly well. It's just yeah. like – when we run into the later of the draft, I had them picking another wide receiver. And that's where it starts to worry me, where it's like, okay, who's going to be there? Who's not going to be there? Is Fulgham going to be, you know, on the field next year? If we get Terrence Marshall, like, where will he fit in? Where will JJ, JJ Ortega Whiteside fit in? So, and then you got uh, the guys from last year, Hightower and, and Watkins yeah. might still be in the mix. Yeah. I feel like there's going to be a certain point where we run out of bodies on the field and somebody that, either we spent a high draft pick on or we like is going to get cut in the near future. Yeah. Um, after that, I got Jabril Cox. I think he's worth more than a third round pick. I think he falls because he missed his pro day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's just, to me, he's like an athletic monster. And if you put him in that linebacking court, it'll immediately just, um, you know, bolster it. I think we have a lot of guys that have effort, but we don't have that many talented players out there on the linebacking spot, and uh, Jabril Cox could bring that. And then I got Jamar Johnson. Jamar Johnson's kind of, for me, it's like if Kayvon Wallace doesn't work out, mm-hmm. somebody else who's in there, another young stud, and we know that Rodney McLeod is not going to last here forever, too. And yeah, uh, Anthony Harris might not be here for, for very long, too. He's an older guy. So I feel cool. taking a 
safety in this draft is uh is probably gonna is is gonna happen. I think it's gonna definitely happen. Yeah, especially with Jalen Mills leaving too. Like that secondary needs a total revamp. Um, and then next I have Josh Palmer from Tennessee. This is a guy like I literally just started looking up recently the past couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, I really like him. I think that's where they stop with the wide receivers in this draft. You grab one more, see if he can find a spot on the roster. Then I have Patrick Jones. Uh, Brandon Graham's getting older. Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett. There's a feud still between them. Um, so I don't know which one's going to stay, which one's going to go. And eventually you want to start finding younger bodies to push in there because even though like it's not the D tackle spot, you got a lot of guys on the defensive line that are nearing the end of their career with Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. Um, you know, Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett are both younger, but I don't think they're both going to be here. And then I got us going to the offensive line with Aaron Banks. This is basically if Brandon Brooks doesn't work out, if Brandon Brooks gets another injury or, you know, the offensive line just starts to fall apart. You need guys out there that can be versatile and can play every position. Uh, we saw Dra Jack Driscoll do it last year. Uh, we yeah. saw Jeremiah Lotta do it. You know, you, you can never have too many bodies on the offensive line because, um, yeah, what, what Jordan Mailata surprised us last year. You had Andre Dillard go down. Who yeah. else Offensive line. There was like a thousand bodies out there. I yeah, feel like. yeah. Herbig got some run. Yeah, Herbig. Um, yeah, exactly. Got just guys that come out of nowhere. I think we had uh 13 offensive line changes. Yeah. Something insane. like that. It was the most in the NFL by far. Yeah. Uh, and then next I have Jason Kelsey's replacement uh replacement, Michael Minette. He's been jumping up like a lot of people's mock boards lately just because of his like athleticism. He kind of reminds me of like a younger Jason Kelsey, just like his built. And, um, you know, how he's able to pull and scramble and run block and things like that. Um, then I have the Eagles drafting a quarterback, Ian Book, just kind of get a body in for training camp. I don't yeah. think it's going to add much of a competition to Jalen Hurts. That, see, that's the one thing that, like, I don't know about next year is are the Eagles going to get somebody, whether in the draft or via trade, to challenge Jalen Hurts in training camp? Or are we just going to stay what we have with, like, um, Hurts, Flacco, and then drafting somebody in the later rounds. I still have no clue about that. Um, next, Mustafa Johnson. I'm not gonna lie, it was a goat name. It was it was because of his name. His name jumped off the board to me, and I saw a lot of people like Eagles reporters book him in their mock drafts. Um, you know, he's somebody that could come in and learn from Fletcher Cox, learn from Javon Hargraves, all those uh, studs. And then my last one is Carrie Angeline. I think that's how you pronounce it. He's a tight end um, from NC State. This is a guy who's like athletic, um, can find his way around the football. Just somebody because I don't think Zach Ertz is going to return next year. Or if he plays out this contract, he definitely won't be back the following year. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, you need somebody else in there to be behind Dallas Goddard. I think we all liked what we saw from Richard Rodgers, but Richard Rodgers is not going to be the tight end two of the future. Yeah, he's not that old, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, um, I think my favorite pick of yours would probably be uh, Terrace Marshall in the second. I mm -hmm. think uh, getting a, a guy that it, it's it contrasts my mock or who I have taken in the second round, but I think getting a big body guy to play with, you know, Greg Ward and Jalen Rager, um, would be a, a good move by Howie in the front office. So yeah, my favorite pick of yours would be would be Terrace Marshall with pick thirty-seven. I'm tired of those smaller body receivers. I feel like we have way too many here in Philly. Yeah, well, then you're not going to agree with what I got going on on mine. So, 
without further ado, we'll throw my uh, version 3.0. This one, oh, I didn't, I didn't update the uh, the pick number for uh, for that. So we got a little typo there. I have the Eagles trading down um, from pick 12 to 16. Okay. And we gain pick 47 with that trade down. Okay. So, and at 16, not at 12, despite the graphics. So at 16, I was taking, um, I think one of my favorite prospects in the past couple weeks is Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, I think is how you say it. Linebacker slash safety slash corner slash pass rusher phenom from Notre Dame. I love what he can do. I love that he can be that kind of Swiss army knife on defense for a guy like Jonathan Gannon, who's going to want to do a lot of exotic things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he can cover tight ends. I think he can cover um, wide receivers in the slot. I think he can blitz. Well, I think he's sideline to sideline guy. I think he's a more fluid athletic Jamal Adams where he can just kind of do everything on defense. Jamal Adams leads the Seahawks in sacks at defensive back, which is crazy. Um, I think that he can provide that. And he's got that Philly mentality. He's got that blue collar, tough attack it hard nose. Um, So I think you go get yourself a defensive playmaker, a young guy um, for Jonathan Gannon to really build this defense around him. Um, so they trade down, they still get their guy, they acquire another top 50 pick. Um, then we fast forward to our second round pick, pick 37, Elijah Moore, my favorite prospect in the whole draft. This guy's going to be in the mold of those little slot guys that get you a hundred catch plus seasons. He's just so shifty and a technician and explosive, even in a small frame. I think he's a, he's going to be a big time player. I feel, I feel like if you get Elijah Moore, you can, you can do more with your your package of receivers. You have Rager who can play outside, inside. You have Fulgham who can play outside. Then you got uh, Ward who can do both just because he's got that savviness in his route running. So I think you have three, three or oh. four guys that you can really mix up with where you line them up on the field and give Sirianni and Steichen uh, that type of versatility to be creative. I was going to ask, who's going to be your uh, odd man out then if you get another receiver? Odd man out, I think odd man out in the starting rotation would be Greg Ward. I think he fills that reserve depth wide receiver, which I think is what his career is. He's not a, a starting wide receiver, in my opinion. I yeah. love him. He's been great for the Eagles for the past few seasons, but that's due to injury and lack of talent drafted mm-hmm. and brought in by Howie in the front office. I think he he fills that role. He fills the role that he's going to give you a few games in the season when uh, guys are injured or he's going to come in in four wide receiver sets. He's going to be a rotational guy. Um, Odd man man out roster-wise would probably be somebody like Quez or JJ. I think one of those guys isn't going to make it. Um, I was going to say injury happens. I think if an injury happens to a top guy, then they stick around. But I think if you go Elijah Moore, if you go Terrace Marshall, one of those former draft picks is out the door. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like If you spend a really high draft pick on one of them, Hightower, Quez, JJ Ortega-Whiteside, one of them has to get cut during training camp. Yep, I agree with you there. Um, the the second round pick that we acquired trading down from 12 to 16 is where I draft the replacement for Jason Kelsey in the future. Quinn Meneres from Wisconsin Whitewater. This dude's jumping up draft boards because he's just a dog. Like, not a D-O-G, a D-A-W-G. Okay, there's differences, okay? Right? So Jabril Cox might be a dog, a D-O-G, right? But Quinn Meneres is a D-A-W-G. That, that guy is 
uh, vicious. He's a man, not a not a kid. He'll he'll come in there, learn from Kelsey for a year, uh, and then he retires after this season, which I think he will. You slot him in, and I think you have another All Pro, Pro Bowl caliber center to lead your uh, your offensive line. Uh, pick seventy, I think they go and get another one of my favorite players, Jamie and Sherwood. Um, if Jeremiah Wusu is a guy that can do everything on defense at every spot. I feel like Jamie and Sherwood is kind of the the poor man's version of that. He can play high safety. He's not as fluid, not as athletic as most of these guys, but he's a banger. He's going to come down, uh, support the run, stuff like that. You could play him in the sub linebacker uh, position. Um, pick 84, I'm going offensive line again. Kendrick Green, you got Suamalo, who is – Kind of underrated, in my opinion. I think he's a, a much better offensive lineman uh, than most people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you got Brandon Brooks, who's getting a little bit older and battling injuries um, the past few seasons. So Kendrick Green and Quinn Menirez, you, you spend two top 100 draft picks to continue um, to add assets to the offensive line and maintain that. Because I think that's how you win in the NFL, offensive line, defensive line. Yeah. And I think Howie also agrees. Um, pick 123. Uh, Griffin from USC. I like him. I think he's got a, a you know good body type. He'll be a um, a depth guy at the beginning, and if he can develop um, and gain in scheme, then I think after after whoever they bring in to play outside of Slay, uh, he can he can fill that void after Slay leaves too. So I think Griffin would be a nice developmental corner prospect. Then Patrick Jones, we both have him in our mocks. I like him. I think he's just one of those dynamic dudes that the minute he came out the womb, he was a pass rusher. He just looks like a pass rusher. And um, I would love to have him. I said he has the length. Yeah, he's he's just got everything that I want in a pass rusher. I think you slot him in rotationally behind Sweat and Barnett and Graham this season. And then after that, depending on how well he develops and um, Sweat and Barnett play, then you kind of get to make a choice and you have that luxury. Uh, we also have Ian Book both. I think I think I just put him on there because I think the Eagles do draft a QB in the draft, and he's the one that I've heard that the Eagles talk to. So Ian Book at 224. Then the very next pick, I think they add a um, depth developmental running back, C.J. Verdell from Oregon. See, this one's interesting to me that you picked it because you just brought back Jordan Howard and you already have Boston Scott, and Miles Sanders is obviously the feature back. And I feel like the Eagles are going to rely heavily on the run this year. That's just the type mm-hmm. of play caller that Nick Sirianni is. He's going to utilize all three running backs, which I love. Yep. I think that's going to be the like bread and butter for our offense. So the following years, wh- who do you see leaving? Um, Howard. I think Howard is a guy that kind of – if he's not in the right situation and the coach isn't willing to use him the right way, which I do think Steichen and Sirianni – I feel yeah. like the staple of being successful coaches will literally be they no matter the players that they get, they're going to put them in the best positions to succeed. They're not oh. going to ask Gordon Howard to do things that he's not good at. They're going to use him where um, he's supposed to be used and think they get a good year out of him. I just don't think he's going to be a long-term RB2. Oh, no, no, not, not, not I, I don't get it because people all looked at the Jordan Howard signing as like an aftermath. I don't think it's going to be like that at all. I feel like they're going to get everything that they can out of him. And it's not going to be as, you know, stat full as uh, Miles Sanders' rookie year, but like Jordan Howard was popping off yeah. the first seven games. But I think it'll be somewhat similar to that where you give him a good chunk of the um, 
carries because Boston Scott has proven us that he's kind of just like a catching out of the backfield type of back. You know, you don't want him running up the middle in third and two. Yeah, you have the Colt following that thinks uh, Boston Scott is a premier RB2 just because of a few games that he had against the Giants. He's proven that in times when uh, Miles is hurt that he's not that guy. He's a three to six touch per game kind of guy. You give him a couple screen passes, uh, run a couple option routes out of the backfield, maybe a couple carries in a change of pace role. But um, Boston Scott's a utility player. He's not an RB2. And I don't even think that Jordan Howard's guaranteed to be RB2 or even on the roster when the season comes around. I think the the injuries and the inconsistency that he's battled the past few seasons, he'll have to compete to make the, the roster. And I think a guy like C.J. Verdell and Elijah Holyfield and Jason Huntley are going to make it hard for him uh, put up a fight. But at the end of the day, I do think he makes a team. I think that Sirianni uses him in that RB2 role, five to ten carries a game to spell Sanders – um, and I think Verdell's probably a practice squad guy. I don't really think that he's going to um, be a difference maker in year one. Well, that's why I thought it was so interesting because I feel like the running back position is going to be valued a lot more than it has been the past couple seasons. Yeah. And it's going to be important to have an RB2 out there so Miles Sanders isn't getting torn down. Yeah, I think the, I think the Eagles carry three and then they, ha- they have a couple backs on the practice squad, like a Verdell and Huntley or Verdell and Elijah Holyfield, something like that. But – uh, moving on, 234, I got Nick Eubanks tied in out of Michigan. Like you said, the, the Eagles are going to need another developmental guy behind um, Dallas Goddard and Richard Rodgers. They have a few guys like Tyree Jackson and Akeem Butler who they converted from quarterback and wide receiver to tight end, but those are experimental things. I don't know if they work out as much as a guy like Eubanks who's played tight end for a while. And then Robert Jones, I think with your last pick, you going out of tackle – a young guy to throw into the mix. I know you have Mylotta and Dillard on the left, but um, with Driscoll and Lane Johnson, it's a seventh round pick. Um, more developmental guys, more guys to have on the practice squad. You have to fill out that too. So that's my mock draft, and uh, I'm sticking to it. This is the one that I that I hope. I feel like we we fill everything that we need that we can with uh, ten to eleven picks. I don't even think how he uses all ten. I think he's going to try to trade up to certain spots in, in certain rounds to get guys that he really wants. Um, yeah, I don't think the Eagles are staying put. I just didn't have time to do yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. But I, yeah, I like the, the trade at the top because I, I, I really think trading down is the move. You gain more top 50 picks. Uh, that way you can add more dynamic talent to this roster, which is extremely needed, especially in this offseason. No, I like the Jeremiah pick because it's kind of moving towards today's modern NFL where you have a player that can do basically everything. You could you could seriously go from having one of the worst linebacking cores in the NFL to having Alex Singleton, who if he played a full 16-game season probably would have led the league in tackles. Yeah. You had Eric Wilson, who's a, a young, dynamic guy who proved that he can be it. He's a hard-nosed effort guy. And then you add JOK, who's really a do-it-all. You could have all three on the field at one time, and you'd still be in a sub-package set. So that's, Dude, that's why the draft is so mind-boggling to me because there's going to be one of those – I feel like there's going to be one of those generational talents on the board still at 12, whether it's Micah Parsons, whether it is, you know, not – I don't think Devontae Smith is a generational talent, but there's going to be big names still on the board. There's going to be Devontae Smith maybe on the board, Sertan on the board, maybe J.C. Horn on the board, maybe. Um, 
uh, who else? Like just a lot of big name guys that we all want. And then you have to think to yourself, okay, do you trade down or do you grab one of these best player availables and see if it pans out? But uh, I, that's what I think. Like if Michael Parsons is still on the board at 12, what do you, what would you do? Trade down. You would? All right. Take JOK over him. I don't like Michael Parsons very much at all. Not a big fan. Fair I think JOK is more versatile and he's not a weirdo. He's not a head case. He's not a problem. I feel like I feel like his attitude, his character, his um Moxie fits in Philly. I feel so like he Yeah. Who do, who do you have next year for the starting corners? Starting corners, I think the Eagles still sign a guy probably after the draft. I feel like they pump their brakes and they see maybe maybe we can get one of these top guys at 12 or if we trade down a, a few spots. If if they miss out on a top corner, if they don't get a Farley, a Horn, or a Sertain, then I think that they um, they take a corner later in the draft and they go ahead and sign somebody like Steven Nelson or Brian Poole or somebody like that. Yeah, I think it's draft dependent. That's why they haven't signed anybody yet. I think they want to get – um, a guy to play opposite Slay in the draft. And I think that goes to show you the direction of the team. Like Steven Nelson and Brian Poole are sitting there right now waiting to be signed. So, yeah, um, I'm surprised that Steven Nelson's still not signed yet, dude. It's just, it's like everything right now for the Eagles in the draft points defense to me, but I still have a really bad feeling that they're just going to do something crazy and get an offensive player. It's just tough when you go wide receiver in the, in round one back to back years and that wide receiver that you're picking is a wide receiver two. Like, I don't think the Eagles have a shot at a wide receiver one at 12. Jamar Chase isn't falling. I don't think that Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle are bona fide Pro Bowl wide receivers. So if I'm the Eagles, I just I just picked a wide receiver two last year in Jalen Rager. I'm not going to do it again in the first round. I'll take a wide receiver two in the second or the third round with a guy like Moore, Marshall, uh, Amari, I mean, um, Rogers from Clemson, stuff like that. I just, I would be, I'd be sick to my stomach if the Eagles turned in the card for Devontae Smith at 12. I just, yeah, no, I feel like it's a very high risk that, you know, eventually could not work out and it just puts your team back another five years. But I was looking at some of the mock drafts today and I saw a few of them that had Mac Jones going second. And I was, like, I don't, th- I don't think so. Yeah, I was like, what? And they, they have Zach Wilson going to the Niners at three, and then the other ones have, um, Mac Jones going to the Niners at three, and Zach Wilson going at two, and they, they literally had like five quarterbacks be the first six picks or something like that, or seven picks, and then I'm starting to think about it. I'm like, okay, if that is very unlikely to happen, yeah. But if you get a lot of quarterbacks going one, two, four, five, six, and then. You know, Jamar Chase isn't going to fall. Um, Kyle Pitts, there's like a very small chance he falls. I don't know. It depends yeah. how to view him if they think that he might be too much of a risk because, you know, he's so versatile that it might not work out. It might not translate. Um, but then that, like, that's exactly what I mean when I was like, okay, if you get quarterbacks picked in the first five and six rounds, I mean, five or six picks, then somebody good is going to fall to the Eagles. And I don't know, like, I don't know who it's going to be. That's what I'm saying. It could be Patrick Sertan because it's going to kill us. But I hear there's a lot of links to Kyle Pitts possibly going to the Cowboys. How because would you feel? I, I, what What do you say? How would you feel? I, I would, I would like literally jump off a balcony probably, but. I would need a whole bottle of Pepto. 
I could see, like, I literally, I could see Jerry Jones doing that. We all thought that they were going to take defense last year, but they got C.D. Lamb instead. Um, they they love him in Dallas. So if they took Kyle Pitts, I would be sick to my stomach until I realized, oh, they still don't have a defense. Okay, no big deal. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The draft is so crazy. I could easily see Mac Jones was sitting back at the 20th pick like three weeks ago. Now he's projected top five pick right now. Yeah. And it's crazy. I just I love the draft because it's it's real time chaos yeah. where you might think that it's going to go a certain way. And that's why being a GM would be so much fun. It would be so crazy in the draft room. You think one thing's going to happen and then immediately, you know, everything's turned upside down because this team didn't take who you thought they were going to take. This team traded up for this guy. This guy fell to you. Your guy's not there. Now you have to scramble to try to trade back, you know. I just well, that's what I'm saying. Think be fun. I think the Eagles going to be put in a really tough position where they see somebody on the board that's like a great talent at 12, but they have to make that decision if they want to trade down and, you know, acquire more picks because you still yeah. have a team to build. You know, your team's not even anywhere close to being built yet or if you want to take the best player available. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be super fun. We're we 17 days away. Uh, a few. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna pump out like three more mock drafts before we that's get fine. there. I'll uh, be lucky if I get one more good one, and then that's it. Are we? Are we talking about the Doug Peterson report or not? Are we just gonna? Yeah, you brought it up. All right. So today, the I feel like we've already heard this like a thousand times. It was just spun yeah. in a way. But the Athletic, who's like a very reliable source, you got people from ESPN working on there. Um, they were this morning that Howie Roseman. And Jeffrey Lurie basically just micromanaged everything that Doug Peterson did, and they treated him, uh, they in quotes, they treated him like a baby. Um, it says, Peterson was ridiculed and criticized for every decision. A source told The Athletic, if you won by three, it wasn't enough. And if you lost on a last-second field goal, you're the worst coach in NFL history. So basically, they undermined everything he did. And we all knew the reports. He wanted certain coaches back. He wanted Mike Grow back. He wanted Carson Walsh, the wide receiver coach back. And Jeffrey Lurie and Harry Roseman told them, no. And if you don't fire them within 24 hours, we're going to get rid of them or we're going to get rid of you. And that's what it ultimately led to this year is Doug Peterson presented his staff for next year. And they saw that there weren't enough changes on there. So they told Doug, you know, head for the doors. Um, I think months ago when we were still like during the season, I wanted Doug gone. But yeah. now seeing the aftermath, you know, it might not all be true. But I feel like the Eagles kind of I, – I, I agree it was time for Doug to go just because of the circumstances of the situation. Um, yeah. Things were getting too ugly too fast. But I feel like the Eagles are going to regret it that letting Doug go. I think Doug Peterson is a great coach and I think he could go somewhere else. Even if it's not a head coaching spot, maybe he could go somewhere as like an offensive assistant or an offensive coordinator and he could still have great success in the NFL. So I think the Eagles are missing out by letting him go. Yeah. I think Peterson will be a head coach um, after this season. I think next year he'll get another shot. If not, he'll be an offensive coordinator and then a head coach the year after that. But um, my reaction to the report is, no, no. Yeah. We're talking about grown-ass men. We're not talking about grown-ass men. We're talking about old men, okay? Old men that have wives and kids and million-dollar homes. Like, you're not going to talk to me like that, right? 
that's I just try to put myself in in those shoes when I think about situations like that. I'm yeah. Doug Peterson. I just want a Super Bowl. You're gonna you're gonna treat me like that? Hell no. And well, two, that's what we're talking about instances in this report that said after 2016 they told him get rid of uh, Reich, and then after 17, of course, they won the Super Bowl, and he he uh, he goes off anyway. Mm-hmm. Why why is all of this brought up now? Right? Why wasn't it brought up after 16? Why wasn't this report leaked after 17? Why didn't we talk about this after 18? Why isn't the dysfunction mentioned after 19? Because it was first year, Super Bowl, playoffs, playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we don't bring it up because we're successful. Doug's taking them to the playoffs. He's coaching them through injuries. Carson Wentz is taking the Rugrats to the playoffs, right? Nick Foles wins a Super Bowl. We almost go to the NFC Championship game the next year. So everything's fine and dandy, so we don't hear any of these you know, reports come out, right? Yeah. Now that we're losing, now that we have the one bad season and everything got flipped upside down, Carson's gone, there's dysfunction, How uh, Doug's gone, now all this stuff comes out, right? Now Howie Roseman's calling Lane Johnson, you know, names. Now uh, he he's treating Doug Peterson like a baby. You don't think that if he was treating Doug Peterson like like a baby after 16, 17, 18, that we would have heard about this? It just it's too convenient that the Eagles starting to lose now and there's dysfunction and then all this crap comes out. I just there mm-hmm. might be truth to it. I just don't like I don't like stuff like that. I, I don't believe it when it comes out three years after the fact. Like yeah. why didn't we talk about this when it happened? The person that leaked the information just didn't feel like they needed to leak it until the Eagles are in a tough spot now. That just doesn't make any sense. Okay, despite the success that the Eagles have had, do you think that they are too much of a dictatorship right now? No, I don't think so. I Like I said, the only thing that's changed is we're not winning. We're not coming off of a playoff appearance. We're not coming off a divisional uh, championship, right? We don't have the divisional title you know, getting ready to to drop at the link. I feel like those are the things. That's why the Browns and the Lions and the Jets are a dumpster fire because they don't win. So everything's dysfunctional and it's negative and there's finger pointing. And I it's mean, this yeah, that's everybody up. But it's just weird when you have so many people come out saying the same things. Like, what's his name? Trey Burton. Did you see what he posted on uh, Twitter today? The former tight end? Yeah. No, I didn't see what he said. He had like a 10 second clip or like a 15 second clip talking about Philadelphia. And he was like, yeah, the biggest problem in Philadelphia is the GM. It's always been the GM and it always will be. I feel like Howie can be the problem, but at the end of the day, Super Bowl, playoff, playoff. Like you went to the playoffs three years in a row. These things weren't a problem when you went to the playoffs three, three years in a row. Three years in a row while you're dealing with being one of the most injured teams in pro football. So I just, I don't buy that it's as bad as it is. Does Howie need to go? Yes. I'm not a big Howie Roseman fan. I feel like his, his time in Philly has, has run its course and it's time to go. Um, but just like with Doug, I feel like you came off of a really bad year, right? No development of the young guys that we've given you. And you're going to tell me that you're just going to try to keep doing the same things over and over again. Um, And it just doesn't work. So, yeah, it's time for you to go. I don't think that's a, a Howie Roseman thing with, with Doug needing to go. I feel like any GM would say, you're not trying to, to switch this up. We need a new coaching staff. You guys aren't doing, you know, 
what needs to be done with with the young players putting them in the right positions. It's time to go. I don't think that's a a Howie problem. I just I'm not okay with this stuff. That's we're talking about stuff that happened in 18, 19, 17, and it all comes out now because the Eagles are down bad. Do you know what um what year Howie started the GM for the Eagles? Um, he was so I, he came back to power after Chip was fired yeah. back yes. in 15 after the 2015 season. He gained power right along with hiring uh, Doug Peterson. Um, but he's been in, with the organization, I think, since 2010 or 2011. Um, but, yeah, I just – I don't know. We, we didn't talk about it in 16. He wasn't a problem in 17. After 2017, this is a perfect example. What was Howie Roseman considered in 2017? The greatest GM in football. This mm-hmm. dude is fleecing teams in trades. He's a cap wizard. Look what he did with Patrick Robinson, right? Now the team loses, and it's all—it's always been his fault. Yeah, I just—I don't buy it. I don't like Howie, and I want him to go, but at the same time, I think half of this stuff is overblown, just because you're losing. 